Hey there, I want to take a quick second to thank you for listening to the Focus Point Podcast. I hope that you find a blessing and encouragement through this episode. I hope that you'll share the episode with your family and your friends. If this is one of your first times catching us, or if you want to find out more about us, or if you want to listen to other episodes, please visit thepointoffocus.com, and there you will find our podcast archive as well as more information. Once again, that's thepointoffocus.com, and once again, I thank you for listening to this episode. So we are continuing on in our series in the book of Genesis. I'm excited to continue on with you. If you have a copy of the Bible around you, please get a hold of it, open it up to Genesis chapter 2, whether it's paper, electronic, will be in the New Living Translation as always, but get your eyes on a copy of God's Word and we'll dive in in just a little bit. A little bit of a thing here as we start. I know when I first started this series in the book of Genesis, I said that we weren't going to be spending a whole bunch of time in the book of Genesis, but if you're keeping track of the episode counts, we are in episode five now of this Genesis series, and we haven't even reached Genesis three yet. So to just to to kind of keep you calm, we will speed up um, after this episode as we'll begin to look at bigger chunks of Genesis, and we'll be skipping some of the genealogy stuff and all of that. And I know that sounds kind of weird after we uh, spent some time in our Christmas series looking at the genealogies of Jesus, but we'll skip some of the family tree stuff and we'll skip some of that and we'll be moving forward a little bit faster as this kind of picks up. But these first couple chapters of Genesis are just so rich with some things and I believe sometimes we miss them. We kind of skip past some of the stuff. We don't kind of take time to to dive into them a little bit. And I think uh, that's why I felt like God was saying, you know, we need to just kind of dive into this a little bit. Spend some time talking about it. So uh, we'll be in Genesis chapter 2 and we'll be in verses 18 through 20. And we will um, kind of, like I said, conclude this. uh, Our time here will be in Genesis 3 next week and so on and so forth down the line. But as I mentioned last week, when we read this a little bit, we're going to reread something that we read a little bit last week. But when I, when we were there, I was talking about it. And this is, this is God's take on loneliness from the very beginning. And it's important to see that because I think Jesus incorporates this take of loneliness. And he also is, is big on how it's not, how it's not good. So let's unpack this just a little bit. As I said, if you've got your Bibles with you, let's dive in to verses 18 through 20. Here we go. And it says, then the Lord, so this is coming right after the rule. We talked about the rule last week. One thing, how God wants us to choose and God doesn't want our uh, relationship with him to be um, forced. He wants us to choose. He wants us to be with him because we want to be with him, not because there was no other choice. So then it says, verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground. I'm sorry, we skipped that one. And it said he, after he gave the names that there was still no helper for Adam. So it's still no helper for him. So 
you know what, let's just read it real quick. So, and then the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals. So, once again, we talked about that as we looked at creation. God is speaking these people, but speaking these things, but then it said God formed from the ground all the wild animals. So, he's kind of just maybe forming these things now and to see what Adam would call them. We read this last week. But then it says, when all of that was done, when everything was named... You know, you had a pair of bunnies, you had a pair of tigers, you had a pair of bears, you had a pair of sharks, you had a pair of whales, you had a pair of eagles, all that stuff. You had pairs, but when it came to Adam, there was no pair. As it says in verse 20, it says, but there was no suitable helper just right for him. And so when we see that, it's kind of like, okay, so what does God do about it? God doesn't say, oh, all right, Adam, well... This is your deal. Live in this paradise, this promised land, this this place. Live here and don't worry about anything else and just kind of just go on about your life and all of that. No, no, God doesn't just leave him there. It says, so God caused Adam, in verse 21, it says, so God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of his ribs and closed up the opening then the Lord brought, then the Lord made woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. And he said, at last, this, is, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And so then it kind of concludes there that they were both naked. They didn't feel any shame. And so that goes back to this idea that there was no care. There was nothing right or wrong. Like, you get what I'm saying? There, except for the choice that they had. That was looming over them. Do not eat from the tree. That was the choice. That was the only right or wrong thing. There was nothing that could really be done. And so God, right from the start, knew that man shouldn't be alone. He knew that man could not do life alone. We need people to interact with. And we need people to do this thing called life. And loneliness can be this, this negative thing that comes along. And it can creep up in us and it can be this, this voice that tells us things. And we can um, give in to these things. And these whispers are the voice of the devil. Once again, on the previous series plug, uh, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Is a big um, series that we did um, a couple years ago. And so um, I encourage you to go find that, pointoffocus.com, and you can go and find that. And so, um, but this is not something that God wants us to feel. God doesn't want us to be alone so we can hear that whisper because that's when we start hearing things. We start to believe things that aren't right about us. We start to believe these little whispers that come into our head. And we um, see it when Adam and Eve eat from the tree that this idea of hiding and being trying to be alone, trying to alienate yourself, right, from, from other things when you do wrong, right? When, when uh, my kids were growing up, and even still kind of now, right, this idea of keeping things quiet, 
until it's found out or whatever. Example, when I was growing up, when my kids were growing up, something gets broken in the house, a wall gets drawn on, right? And immediately out comes the the, uh, the lineup, right? All right, everybody, come here, my dad would say. And I want, oh, come here, whatever. You know, he wasn't angry. That sounded kind of angry. But he was like, all right, hey, everybody come here. And he'd sit us all down on the couch and be like, all right, who did that kind of thing? And, you know, that kind of conversation had to happen. And it would go down and you would find out that nobody in the house did it. Right? And so eventually it came out, though, who who actually did it. Right? Um, Same kind of thing happens still now, today, even with um, my kids now. This whole idea of... All right, who did it? And when we ask all the kids and nobody did it, I typically jokingly turn to my wife and I'll say, well, how dare you do that, babe? How dare you break whatever it was? You know, and it's just jokingly because it's just, we claim our house has ghosts because no one ever breaks anything in the house. It's always just magically broken, right? And the reason why I bring this up is because after... Okay, we're kind of going to spoil a little bit. After they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we're going to look at that whole incident a little bit deeper as we look at Genesis 3 next week. But they went into hiding. And typically, that also too happens. When something happens in the house, like, you hide, right? Like, I would typically, when I was growing up, like, for me, I say me because I've been there. Like, something breaks and immediately you go, like, hide out in your room or you go outside or you go play in the backyard or wherever, right? Because you're trying to, like, distance yourself from the situation and maybe you won't be a um, a suspect in the matter. This is what happens with Adam and Eve. And God doesn't want them to be alone but they're hiding trying to be alone because of what they've done and because and it's a perfect illustration is adam was nearby when the whole thing with um, satan happened right but eve was alone and we see that and we see what satan whispered to her and we'll talk about that next week but after they eat from the tree they're hiding from god and this is what god says in uh, Genesis 3, he's, he says in verse 8, um, when the, it says, sorry, it says in verse 8, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from him, hid from him among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And that's just like a father son relationship, right? Where are you? Or not even a, just it just a parent, and as I said, parent anybody that guardian that raised you, currently raising you, whatever that person, when they say, "Hey, where are you?" They're they're looking for you, and God knew where they were, but He was looking for them, and He didn't want them to still feel like they were alone. God was still there for them. God was walking in the garden with them. This to me feels like. Something that happened often, if not daily. Because God could not find Adam and Eve. He called out to them. And so maybe they were out in the garden, so he, he, would, he would call out to them. But God was establishing something from the start. Okay? 
He knew what they did before he even set his, his feet in the garden, before he was even walking in there looking for them. And maybe this, this read too much into this. Maybe they were always in the same spot for their walk with God, or maybe they didn't. Maybe this was a, a, a typical thing that he did when he came into the garden. He would um, walk out and just kind of like, hey, guys, where are you? In this case, though, they were, it was different. But here's the thing. God still came. God still came to them. God still came to walk with them. God still came to be with them, even though they had just messed up. God was establishing some things right from the very start. God walked with Adam and Eve when all was going good, and God walked alongside them when all was not as good. When things had gone a little bit bad, God was still there with them. God still does that for us. As I said last week, and as this kind of all ties in together, it's a aspect of choice. God is, God never moves really. Like he's, he's not there. When we, a bigger picture is when you look at the story of the prodigal son. And if you want to look that up, that's in Luke 15. And if you want to um, read a little bit more of that, but the father in that story never moved from where he was. He was always there. He was always where he was. The son had to come back to him, right? See, God in this story was always where he was. It's just Adam and Eve were hiding and they had to come to him when he called out to them. So it's just an interesting picture here. God never moves. We always have the choice on whether or not we're going to make steps toward God, we're going to make decisions that bring us toward God, or we're going to make steps that take us away from God. And that parallel illustration is happening here that happens with the the prodigal son story in Luke 15, is the son kept making choices that pushed him away from the father, the father being God in the story illustrated as God. And And then eventually he's just like, you know what, it's not worth it anymore. I need to go back to my father. And God and the father was waiting for him right there with open arms. And the same can be said for God in this story is God wasn't doing anything different. It wasn't like God came at a different time. It wasn't like God went to a different garden first and was like, whoopsie, made a mistake. I'm late. No, he came to the same place at the same time to walk with them. And they had to come to him. The second thing I see out of this is is life is not meant to do alone. This is something that over the last several years I've really come to know. Life changes, people come and go. Life can get lonely, then it can be full of people and full of full of excitement and all of that. And then it just you know there are seasons of life, right? And I want to I want to tell this story. It's several years old now, but there's there's a time when like I said people come and people go and and life can be lonely. But this is not a time to like wonder where everybody went. It's time to lean into the people that are still there. 
because I went through a season of time where you have somebody with you, right? I went through a season of divorce. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're currently there. Maybe you're on the verge of it. I don't know. But in this season, it feels like somebody that was there with you is now decided to leave. And it leaves a hole where where it was, right? It leaves a hole. Like now all of a sudden, like, there's not somebody there to, to do life with. I still had my kids, but they were young. There wasn't a, as the Bible, there wasn't like a suitable helper. There wasn't a pair for me anymore, right? This, this person had left. And that was a lonely time. Because where I used to go home and share life with somebody in the evenings after work and talk about my day and all of that, I wasn't there anymore. There's only so much you can tell a kindergartner, right? And so I pressed in to where I knew I had people. Mine was church. I've I've pressed, pressed into church. And some of the times, like... We encourage loneliness, right? Like we encourage this idea that, oh, I just, I don't want people, people like at church, especially, they're going to be like, my, my friends are like, I just, yeah, I don't want to like stir things up. I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to talk about it. I don't like all of this stuff. And we wind up like bringing on loneliness onto ourselves. But I had people at church. And you know what I found at church is this um, place that we've put church. This church is, we've put church as like, it's this place for porcelain dolls. It's this, this place of perfection and nobody in this, nobody inside the four walls of a church have a problem. And part of that comes from the fact that's how I was raised. Like that, I sat across from a pastor after I had made a choice and made a decision that pulled me a little bit away from God. That sat there and like told me that I wasn't able to like serve in his church because you know I had made a mistake and that he would decide when I could choose to be. Uh, he, he sorry, he would decide when I could be serving his church again. Like he was sitting there behind his desk, the Almighty Pastor Man. Never made a mistake. Never made any kind of problems. That he was perfect in every way. Just like Mary Poppins. But that wasn't the case. I knew that wasn't the case. I knew that wasn't what was going on. I knew that wasn't the way it happened. I knew he wasn't perfect sitting back there behind that desk. And I know there are churches out there that they still have that vibe. They still have that positioning. They still have that idea that... You can't bring problems in here because you'll mess everybody else up. And I know that that's not the way it truly is. But I feel like that's why some people just don't air their dirty laundry in church. They're afraid to bring out their skeletons from the closet because they're afraid that people are going to look at them as they are like, Whoa, wait a minute. Better than you here. I spent a whole extra minute in the... like, And that's not the case. That's why I feel... That some of the churches that are, are larger and, and are because they had had transparent pastors. 
that st- don't stand up behind the pulpit and act like you've got everything under control. That's one of my teaching things that I say from time to time to the group of kids that I volunteer with. I get up there and I tell them, just because I'm up here talking to you about this topic does not mean that I've got it all figured out and I've got it all in control. I'm just here walking with God and I'm telling you what I've learned. And I've mentioned that here on this podcast. I've mentioned that we're just all people learning about God. That's all a pastor is. is he's he's t- he's saying things that he's learned from God. And I fully believe that. That doesn't mean we should stop going to church because we all can be pastors. And no, no, that's not what I mean. But that's what we're doing when we are, when we're talking. That's what I'm doing here. I'm sharing with you what I've learned from God. And anyway, so a lot of people are afraid to to share their to share their dirty laundry, and I was afraid to like talk about it. And me personally, I was afraid. Even the church that I went to, like I had switched churches already by this time, and so, but I was afraid to bring this up. But you know what I found? As I started talking about it, as I started becoming more open about it, I found that the very people that were kind of close, the, the team at that time that I volunteered with, they were in the same shoes I was in. Recently, even, the wound was still fresh with this one guy that we kind of walked through that part of life together. For a little bit. I'd never really hung out with him. I'd never really, like, I'd been talked to him, but, like, never, but we started hanging out outside of work. We started talking, uh, sorry, outside of church, and we started talking and doing some different things and mulling over this space that we were in together. And other people that had been, that have been through it all came to my, my side, People that have experienced divorce, people that had been through it, and like I said, the one guy that was experiencing it now at the same time I was. And I found out that there's just broken people in church too, that we need to come together and do life together. It's not meant to do life alone. Um, and as time went on, I got remarried and we're, we're doing life together. And even my wife has figured out that we're not supposed to do life alone. She recently got put in a small group that is full of people that have been in some of the places of life that she's been in, and they're all an inspiration to each other, and it's just beautiful to see that that kind of stuff happens in a church, that we're not meant to be porcelain, polished up people. It's not a museum. Churches are hospitals where people come that have been shattered to pieces and they're put back together. That is what church is. And I hope that helps you. I I don't know why I was led to share all of that, but that is where I feel, what I feel church is. And I feel it's just been misrepresented so many times that this church is like, you've got to clean it all up and you've got to be a certain kind of way or, or whatever in order to come into the four walls of the church. And you really don't. Jesus never indicated that we had to be anything but ourselves when we come to him. And I said that last week. When we come to him, we don't have he's not waiting for us to have it all figured out. He wants us to come to him and then we can figure it out together. 
he'll he'll start show us things that don't match up to what what we want in our relationship with him and we'll chart to kind of sift through these things and that is the way that it's meant to be and that is why it's important to do do life life together and i can't tell you that unless i've experienced it and that's why i said i believe jesus experienced some things back in the episode uh back in the series called touched we talked about some different things we talked about worry i don't think it was touched we we i talked about worry though and how jesus worried i believe you don't sweat drops of blood in the garden you don't sweat drops of blood in a garden unless you're very anxious i believe jesus worried and then he tells us in matthew 6 to not worry that it doesn't really do you any good that's why I believe that so much that we're just all trying to figure out life together. And that whether you're a pastor or not, a teacher or not, whether you're just trying to get through this day to make it to tomorrow. We're all learning stuff about God and we're all coming together and we're just sharing with, with everybody what God has learned. Peter wasn't a special person. Peter just was learning what Jesus had taught him, and then he was sharing it along. Same thing with Paul. He met Jesus and started sharing with people what Jesus had done for him, and it turned into this big church empire, and he became the pastor of many churches. Paul was a murderer. And it's just like God still used him, and he still led people to meet Jesus. And I'm rem- going to close with this. I'm not going to say his name, but there's, there's a pastor that built up a church and then was, due to some choices that he had made, let go from that church and then has since started another church. And it's just, it's just he's one of the ones that I, I mean, like he's transparent and he is open as, as open can be about the mistakes that he's made. He was open before then. And now he's truly open. And everybody knows the story. The church was a big church. It made news. It made headlines. It, all of this stuff. And I'm pretty sure he's heard about it. And I'm pretty sure he made headlines starting a new church. And oh, all this stuff. But you know what? He's transparent and he's open and he's real. And I think that's why people come to him. Because that's what people need and that's what people want. And that's what I believe Jesus wanted the church to be. He wants us to be open and real with each other so we can do life together. Because if we all think that we never make a mistake, if we all think that we're never experiencing any problems, we're not doing anything together. We need to know that we can do life together. Maybe it's a person that's never experienced anything, but they've got words of wisdom for you. Join into it. Like, like dive into it. Don't do life alone anymore. Because I realized real quick that I wasn't going to do life alone anymore. Even though I didn't have any other like people around. I just leaned into the people that I knew were there. And stories came out. Of how, you know, I knew some people had experience that one person in particular. Then I found out about another person that I had volunteered with up at this point for, it was only a couple months, but he's told me his story and 
It's just, it was just amazing to see. God doesn't want us to do life alone. Jesus didn't do life alone. Jesus didn't encourage his disciples to do life alone. It's important to have somebody with you. And maybe it means that people come in for a season, then they leave. Or people that haven't been around, maybe it's time to tap them on the shoulder and be kind of like, hey, I'm experiencing this. What do I do? How, how, how does it help me? And one final thing before I, I found out that um, it's good to ask people my age, right? Our age, whatever, whatever age you happen to be. But then ask people that are maybe older than you. Because that's kind of what I did. Like I asked people that were my age and then people that were a little bit older than me. Because people that are older than you have probably experienced some things, right? And then there are people that are your age that are in it. And can help you through it. But they may not have like the advice that you need. You, get, you kind of get what I'm saying? Like if, if you're young. And you're asking somebody that's in the same kind of thing. But they haven't ex- like fully experienced it yet. You're doing life together. Right? But if you ask somebody that's 20 years older than you. That went through one, two divorces maybe. And know how messy they can be. And know how bad it can be. And know like the different things. And they've been through up and down and different things. And they can help you f- because they've been there. That is why it's important to do life together. So I encourage you, like, talk about it with the people that are your age, your peers, that will, that will help you through it and be there with you and all of that. But also try and find some people, maybe some people your age, but try to find somebody that's already been through it too. So that way they can help you from the other way, kind of like to look out for different things and be on the lookout and be got your back. But God's also got your back. Just because we mess up and just because we make our own choices and run away, that God gave us the choice. God gave us the freedom. That's what he wants. But he doesn't want us to like just make choices because we can. He wants us to always choose him. That was his point for Adam and Eve. Right? This idea of loneliness didn't exist in the world until they ate from the tree. But that's not what God wanted for them. And God wants us, though, to choose. That's what he wanted from the start. If he didn't want it, he wouldn't have gave them two trees to choose from. So, my encouragement is, like, whatever you're facing, if you're, if you're battling some loneliness, get, get plugged back into a church, get plugged into a church, step out, ask, ask a friend, don't continue to do life alone. We're not meant to be, we weren't created to do life alone. We weren't created to be alone. That's not the way God designed it to be. God didn't design us to be alienated from everybody else. God wants us to do life with people. And I say people, it doesn't mean like a whole herd of people. One or two people. Right? Because when I was experiencing the life thing that I went through, I experienced it with just a couple people there. I didn't have 12 people trying to give me... It was probably three people that did the most talk with me and that encouraged me even on the next step because you know on the other side of divorce it's okay do I go into a relationship now do I do I do that do I you know bring in somebody like that to, to my kids life and all of that do you know, how does how does that work how does that how does that navigate right no there's people there that can help you with that so that's why I believe God 
has for us out of the rest of Genesis 2 is this encouragement of don't do life alone. He didn't create us to be alone. As a matter of fact, he saw it as a problem in Genesis 2. No suitable helper for, for, for Adam, so I'm going to make one. He didn't wait. He didn't like, well, so let's just see how you do, Adam. Let's just, let's just see how it goes. No, he's like, oh, you don't have a partner. You need a partner. It's not good to do life alone. So now, as we end this episode, we, we're, we're embarking on now. They're living in the garden. This promised land, as I'm going to call it, because I believe it was. I've heard it called a paradise. I've heard it called like the best thing ever. What? It doesn't, because it, it was. This was God's creation. This was like as close to heaven as we're going to ever see on this earth. And we didn't even get to see it. But this was as close to heaven on earth as it's going to be. This was the promised land before there was a promised land. And so, but the choice still looms. And we all, I've already mentioned it several different times, right? What happens, but let's unpack how this happens. And once again, why life isn't good to do alone, right? We'll continue that, that theme a little bit, but what happens, why, like, I believe there, why I believe it was a promised land, why I believe it was perfect because of some of the things we see in Genesis three. And then it just kind of snowballs from there and it gets kind of crazy and hectic And we're going to see some other things happen as we continue on through the book of Genesis. So I hope that this encouraged you and blessed you. I hope that you won't continue to do life alone if you are. I hope you'll reach out to a friend. I hope you'll reach out to a local church and and get plugged in there and continue to know that you're not alone. Jesus is with us all the time. And that's just the encouragement that I wanted to share with you. So uh, I hope you'll come back next week and we'll continue on in our journey through the book of Genesis together.